Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, and it's on page 526 in the Bibles that you'll find under your chairs there. And if you're a visitor this morning and you don't have a Bible, this is for you. This is your gift. Feel free to take that Bible home with you. It's yours to keep. And uh, But again, our, our scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 6, and these are familiar words. This is the Lord's Prayer, and this is actually going to be the text uh, that JP is preaching from this morning. So let's read this together. Beginning in verse 5, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of our Lord. Good morning. As we start this morning, I want you to think for just a second about uh, some of the, the closest relationships you have in your life, whether it's your your uh, spouse or children or whatever those relationships are, probably the person think of maybe the person that knows you very best, knows you better than than anyone else in your life. And just to think about that for a minute. And then I want you just to think, too, about <clears throat> about how much time uh, you spend in conversation together, how often you talk and how how often you you uh, address one another or share your heart and what's going on and all those things. And, you know, as I think about that, I think my, my wife probably knows me better than anyone else. And, and as I think about just our day to day, you know, a lot of times uh, if I'm here at the church or she's working or we're not together or whatever it is, we'll probably talk on the phone three or four times throughout the day and just what's going on. And then I get home and it's here about her day and we talk about all kinds of things. And then the boys get in bed and then we talk. And then we go to bed at night and we lay there and we talk about all the different things that happened. And just throughout the day, it's just continually kind of laying out things and what's going on and, and talking and going back together, back and forth. And I, I think the, the truth is for any of us in any uh, deep relationship where you really know the other person and they know you and you're sharing those things, that, that's pretty normal. We talk quite a bit and we spend lots of time in conversation and sharing kind of what's going on and, and letting each other know. And so today, as we continue in our series about growing in grace or growing in Christ, that's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the prayer this morning. Chris just read the text for us that we're going to look at. And, and so when we think about that and growing closer to, to God and through Christ and what he's done and that, that uh, it's just very practical in that to really know someone or to grow closer to them, there's got to be communication there. And really that's what we're talking about in prayer of just taking time to stop and, and talk to God and go to him. And how important that is for this picture of what we're talking about, of trying to grow 
closer to God. You know, the last few weeks we, we've walked through this and we've looked at different things. We, you know, the very first week we started in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And I want to make sure we say this every week. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll keep saying this over and over and make sure this is clear. As we're talking about this series and what we're saying is we've been saying all along is that you are saved by what Christ does for you. Faith alone in what Jesus has come and done for you. And that's what we saw at the beginning of Second Peter chapter 1. He says you've, you've attained this, uh, this righteousness that's equal footing with all of us. And he says it's through Christ. We're all saved the same way. We all come to God in the same way. And we are saved by faith alone in what Jesus does for us. And then he says, but then he goes on to talk about how we're to make every effort to supplement our faith. And then in verse 10 of Second Peter 1, he says, to, and to be more, all the more diligent. Or if you look at Hebrews 2, you know, this beautiful picture of the gospel in Hebrews 1 and in the beginning of Hebrews 2 says that uh, now uh, pay much closer attention to what you've heard, which literally just means to be furiously obsessed with this gospel and begin to make it real in your life. And so what we've been saying is, I want to make sure we're, we're clear on that as we saved, God saves us by no doing of our own, by faith. But then we start to walk that out in our life. And there's practical things that we can do as we seek to grow closer to him. We're not working for our salvation, but we're just we're working out what he's already done. And so what we've been saying each week is we've just looked at a lot of different things. We looked at the importance of of God's word over our lives and letting his word speak into our life. And then looking at how we apply it to our hearts that we, we let it uh, come and bear and, and root out the things that have become idols. And then we. We talked about the importance of accountability and having others to walk with you and do that with you. And then when Virgil was here last week, he didn't really plug right in completely to this sermon series. But I asked him to talk about evangelism and he did. And he did a wonderful job. And what he said is when we do evangelism, when we start to tell it's an overflow of our heart from what God has done for us. And so he was even taking us there, too, that we're, we're walking and we're growing closer to Christ. And as we grow closer to Christ, we want to share that with others. And so today we're coming to this idea of prayer and how important that is and how foundational that is in our walk and growing closer to God. And so we're going to look at that idea in Matthew chapter six, as Jesus is teaching about prayer and as he gets into what we know as the Lord's prayer, as he's teaching us how to pray. But before we do that, very appropriate, we do this every week, but we're going to stop and pray. What better what thing to do is we're going to talk about prayer than to stop and go to him. So let's pray and then we'll look at that passage together. Uh, Lord, you are wonderful and majestic and glorious and and we just come before you today and we ask that your will would be done in everything that is said and done today and we just pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to see your word clearly we pray this morning that as we open your word that you would draw us uh, to a fuller life of prayer of just talking to you we thank you for the wonderful uh, joy it is to just be able to come directly to you. We thank you for that privilege. I pray that we never take that for granted. And I pray today that as we talk about this and look at what your word says, that you would use that to draw us closer to you and to see that more fully and the importance of that in our walk with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so as we do this today, there's, there's three questions. I often do that. We're just going to ask three questions of this text and then just walk right through them. And so the three questions I want us to look at as, as we begin is, is first, how do we approach God? Secondly, when we do, what does that look like? And then lastly, why do we do it? What do we get out of this, this prayer life? And so how do we approach him? What does it look like and, and why do we do it? And so let's just begin with how we approach God. And, and I'm going to start right in verse nine and probably one of the most famous 
verses in Scripture, so much so that as, as I read this, it says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And if you've grown up in church, and I know a lot of you have, and some of you that are here, as I say those words, your mind immediately goes to what's next. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and you start to go through. Because we've heard that so many times. And there's a danger when we've heard that so many times, because sometimes we can just go into kind of autopilot. Yeah, I know those words, and we just go right through that. Here's Jesus teaching us how to pray, and sometimes we can just kind of flip right through it and go, yeah, yeah, I've got it. And so I want us just to stop and consider what Jesus is teaching us and what he's saying and how important this is. You know, one of the things that's real interesting when you start to look through Scripture and the way that people pray and, the, and all through Scripture and the way that man talks to God and all those things. And you see all this, you know, the Psalms is a great place to go filled with prayers and crying out to God and, oh, Lord, you know, where are you and what's going on and all these questions and. Oh, God, my holy one and all these different ways that we see God addressed throughout scripture. Sometimes we often forget when we come to uh, what Jesus says here in verse nine, the way he begins this, that Jesus says, I'm going to now teach you how to pray. And this is what it looks like. Right. And so he says, pray then like this, our father in heaven. And there's this monumental shift. And when you're looking at all scripture to now how Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, when you pray, you say our father, you call God father. And so this picture of the creator God of the universe. And Jesus says, when you come before him, you call him dad. You say our father and this picture that's there that that Jesus begins to teach us and to show us and telling us to call God by father. And then look at what he says right before that in verse eight. He says, do not be like them. And he's talking about the hypocrites and the way they pray. Chris just read that for us. But he says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask and then pray like this, our father. And so this picture that emerges of of Jesus saying, when you pray, how do you approach God is is that here's your loving father that knows everything you need and he wants to hear from you anyway. I know what you need before you ask, but I want to hear And so I was thinking about just that picture of of the the creator God of the universe, holy and all powerful and perfect in every way. And he's like a dad that just wants to hear from his child. I want you to talk to me. And as I was thinking about that, just this picture came to my mind. I have this wonderful uh, privilege each week. It's just the way my schedule set up. and, And I'm so thankful for this. I get to go pick up my son Asher from school on Tuesdays. And I go and I pick him up and I pull through the carpool line and I help him get in and get his bag in and all this stuff. And then I've got about 20 minutes where it's just me and Asher. It's the only time during the week that I get him alone where there's nobody else around. And I just ask him question after question. How was your day? And what did you learn? And what happened? And all these things. And he's so excited about school and he just goes and he talks it. And if you've been around Asher, he can talk a lot. He likes to talk and he will just talk and talk and talk. And, and for 20 minutes, it's just solid. He's telling you all these things that happen, and I love it. I love that time to just listen to him and hear. And sometimes it's, oh, this day wasn't so good because this person wasn't nice or this. And some days he's excited, and and I want to hear all of it. And I'm so excited to hear when he gets in. And I, I was thinking about that that week and in this picture of Jesus saying, your father knows what you need before you even ask. And then he says, pray to him, our father. 
that he wants to hear from you. Just, just in, a, in a very minuscule way, me being imperfect and sinful and sometimes I don't listen that well and all those things. And that I want to hear him and how much greater, infinite, perfect, holy God that wants to hear from us. And so just as we think at the beginning just about how to come to him, the first thing I want us to see is how do we approach God? Jesus says you approach him as your father, your father in heaven. And you say our father and you call out to him. And as I was thinking about that, I don't know if this comes to your mind, but it comes to my mind when I when I think about that. I I wanted to stop and think, how is that even possible? Why in the world does the God who is the creator of all things want me to come and talk to him? That just doesn't make sense. I'm sinful and I'm messed up and all the things that I, you know, I, I, I pray at night sometimes and I fall asleep. You ever do that? You start to pray and you fall asleep or you start praying and you forget you're praying and your mind starts to wonder. And I think any other relationship, if I were to do that with someone who's a friend all the time, they'd probably be like, enough with this guy. Right. You can't even focus for. Right. And then here's God saying, come to me and call me father. And I want to hear what you have to say and I want to know what's going on and I want you to talk to me. But I, but I, when I think about that is, is the, the thing that just burns on me is that, that how do I approach a holy, perfect God in my sinfulness and all these things? And, you know, look at what Jesus says on, on just coming to him in verse 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And we're tempted when we read that to be thinking, well, is Jesus, he just taught us on prayer and he's saying these things. And then he says, you got to forgive and then I'll forgive you. Does that mean that our standing and our ability to come to God and to be heard by him is our works? Because that's quickly where our mind will jump. You forgive others and then I'll forgive you. That's kind of what it sounds like. Right. And you start to say, or you go and you read in the Proverbs and it says, uh, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the righteous. And you start to think, well, yeah, that kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? Or, or in a, a couple of verses earlier in Proverbs 15, it says the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination, but the gracious, but gracious words are pure. And so you start to get this picture of Jesus teaching of, of, of our hearts quickly want to go to I'm accepted and he'll listen to me because of how well I'm doing. Right. It's so easy to slip into that. But I want us to make sure when we look at the whole of Scripture and even come to the passages we've looked at the last couple of weeks, that is not the case. That is not what Jesus is saying here. In fact, he's saying very much the opposite. I think Jesus is teaching us very clearly to come to him with a heart that is cloaked with grace received. Right. That, That we understand what he's forgiven us. And so when that becomes a reality, we forgive others. That's really what he's saying in verse 14 and 15. Right. Not forgiving others is a clear sign that you don't understand what Christ has forgiven you. And so when we think about that, or when we think about Colossians three that we looked at just a couple of weeks ago, Colossians three actually just says this so clearly. Paul writes and he says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Right. You forgive others because you've been forgiven. And so what we get in the picture here is not that Jesus is saying, these are the things you do and then I'll accept and I'll hear you. He's saying, when you understand what I've done for you, you'll freely forgive others. And that's how you come. Understanding that I've forgiven you. You're coming by grace and what Jesus has done and nothing else. 
And that's the only way we can really become start to come to him and draw near. So when we talk about how do we approach him, we approach him as father. But how does that ever happen? How can we call God our father and come to him? And it's only through Jesus and what he's done for us. Right. When it talks about God, hears the words of the righteous. How are we righteous? Through what Christ has done for us, him giving us his righteousness. That's the only way. And so when we start with thinking about how do we approach God, we call him father and he wants to hear from you and he's our heavenly father. But you come to him humbly under the grace that Christ has given you, that you are accepted because of what Jesus has done for you. That's the way we approach him through what Christ has done. And so that's that's the first part I want us to see. How do we approach God as he's our father who loves us? And the reason that we can come directly to him is because of what Jesus has done. But then the second question I want us to think about is, is what does that look like? What does it look like to have a prayer life that's that's vibrant in the way God's called us to be? And how do we do that? How do we begin? I want you to look at verses five, six and seven, what he says. And really, we could say this is kind of the what we're not supposed to do. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. But truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. And then verse seven. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And so just start for just a second of what it doesn't look like. And what it doesn't look like is making a big show out of your prayer life. You don't pray. So then you can go around and tell everybody how much you pray. And that's very easy for us to slip into that. Oh, I prayed all night last night, right? And we start to kind of put drop little things and we can so easily have that become. And, and, and I've said this a lot. Good things that become ultimate things. Prayer in your life can become an idol when you're doing it for that reason. Right? You, you understand if, if I'm saying and telling people and I want people to know that I pray all the time and all these things that I do. And you want people to know, then suddenly you're you're kind of building yourself up by look how much I pray. And so it's so our hearts are so subtle and they're so deceitful. So we have to be so careful that that's not the case. And so you don't pray to be seen. In fact, when we we think about how we are to do it, you think about the opposite of what Jesus says. He says, go in your room and close the door where nobody sees and you come to me. You come before your God, your the father in heaven and you come to me and you come in secret. You go and you don't make a big show. You're coming to seek me. And so when we talk about what it looks like, one way we can say is that it's planned times to be intentional, to go before God, to set apart some time to go and talk to him. Right. He says, you go in your room and you close the door and you come to me. Now, I want to balance that because that doesn't mean that prayer is only set times in your closet or wherever, however that looks. It should be those. Jesus gives us that picture. You should have set parts, a part time where you go and you talk to God. But it's not just that because scripture talks all about praying without ceasing or in Ephesians six. It talks about praying at all times in the spirit that as God's spirit leads us, we pray all the time and we should be. And so I'd say it this way. What it looks like is one. It's it's planned times of going and being alone with God and it's spontaneous Walking in the spirit and just praying continually the things he brings to mind. It's like this morning you walk outside and it's a beautiful day and the sun's shining and you say, thank you, God, for your creation. 
and the way it shows us who you are and just constantly, right? You, you just think of those things or, or maybe you've got a 16 a year old that just got their driver's license and you say, God, please keep them safe. They're getting into the car and you just start to pray for safety. Are you, are you walking to church today and you hear Raptor's voice and you say, thank you, God, that he's here. Answered prayer that he's here. And you just continually in the spirit thanking him for what he's doing. And so what we'd say is it's planned that we should have times that we set apart. But it's also spontaneous to just as the spirit moves, we continually go back to him. And so that's that's the first thing I want us to see. But then I want us to just walk through this. These so familiar verses, and we're just going to do this quickly, just looking at the Lord's Prayer. We could spend forever on the Lord's Prayer and just walking through every single verse. But we're just quickly going to get big picture of what Jesus is instructing us to do in prayer. So look at verse 9, how he starts. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so Jesus says, when you come to, to God and you call him Father and you begin to pray he says, you, you make it about God. Adoration for who he is. God, may your name be made great. You know, you read all throughout scripture. You could find endless examples of coming before God and just telling him. Isaiah 45, there is no God apart from you. We read that earlier this morning. Or Psalm 71, you are my hope, O Lord. Or Deuteronomy 10, the Lord my God is a God of gods, Lord of lords, mighty and awesome. And so when you come to him, you start by just telling who he is, making much of who he is. Hallowed be your name. Right. So Jesus says you just start with just who God is. The creator God of the universe, you just tell him and you talk about him and you say that. But then look at verse 10, what it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the second thing we could say with verse 10 is that we're to come humbly in submission to God and his will. Right? We want to make much of who God is. And then immediately Jesus is saying, you pray that God's will will be done. Right. God, God's will. Uh, uh, for example, uh, Habakkuk 2 says the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. To be praying that God's glory would cover the earth. Or like in Revelation 22, that Jesus, that you would come, that you would come today and praying that his will would be done and those things would happen. And so I want you just to notice when you think about that, when you think about the way Jesus says to start, the first things he two things he says is you pray adoring who I am, hallowed be your name. And then the second thing is you pray my will be done and cover the earth. And so what often happens is that gets kind of pushed to the side. I just want to ask this morning, is that how you pray? Are you praying that God's will would be done in all things? Do you start there? See, oftentimes what happens is we start with all our needs and our wants. God, I need this and I need this and, I need, and it becomes this thing of just all those things. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. We're going to look in just a second in verse 11. He wants to hear your needs and he wants you to tell them to him. But he also wants you to pray to him and talk to him for who he is and what he's doing. And so we start with this adoration and, and this uh, praying for his will. I've heard it said before that in a lot of ways, that's, that's what we call frontline prayer. That God's gospel is going out and that his glory is going out and we're making much of him. 
And then when we get to petition, in a lot of ways, that's maintenance prayers. We're now praying to him because of what's coming at us and what's going on. And that's not wrong, but we want to make sure we're making much of God and we're always going to him and adoring him and praising him. And then and then you do see in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread that we're to make known our petitions to God and to bring those things before him. And we should be doing that. Right. It says right there before in verse eight that we just read, he knows what you need. And then he tells you to ask him. So he does want to hear your petitions and he does want you to bring those things and he wants you to tell him. You know, there's this beautiful picture of if even though God knows these things and he knows what you need, that he still wants to hear your prayers. There's this beautiful picture of that in Genesis 18, where Abraham, uh, God tells Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know that story. And so Abraham starts, he's praying, he's talking to God and he's, he's trying to say, no, 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 if it's, if we can find 50 righteous people, will you not destroy it? And 40 and 30 and 20 and he gets down to 10. And what, if you know the story, what happens is God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. But he let Abraham in on that as Abraham prays and all those things. And he, he makes known his petition and he comes before God. And what does God do? He spares his nephew Lot. And I can't help but think when I read that passage that Abraham had been praying for Lot for a long time. And God lets him in on that and he begins to pull him in and to show him what he's doing. And, and, and so he can respond to these things. It's a hard thing for us to understand but that God is sovereign and yet he chooses to respond to our prayers. I can't completely explain that. This gets above my ability to understand. I just can't get there. But so we have that God wants to hear from us, though, and he tells us to make known our petitions. Tell us these things and bring them to him. Then look at verse 12, what he says. And forgive us our debts. And we also have forgiven our debtors. And so we go from petition to verse 12, which is really confession. Coming before God and asking and confessing for the things that we haven't done. And the times that we haven't made him sinner. And we've, we ask for forgiveness and so we're we're, t- we're just moving through all these things that God tells us to do and asking for his forgiveness. You know, I was thinking uh, this week, if you've ever read this, it's really great. You should go look it up. You can find it for free on the Internet. But there's a, a letter that Martin Luther wrote to his barber. I think his barber's name is Peter, Peter the barber. And, and he asks Martin Luther. He comes to, to this guy for his haircut and he realizes this is Martin Luther, the great reformer and wonderful theologian and all this stuff. And he says, he just asked him one day, I'm struggling with prayer. Can you help me? And so Luther writes this letter to his barber all about how to pray. And one of the things he said, I read it this week. And one of the things he says is to pray the Ten Commandments. That's one of his just the, he says, and it, it's interesting, you read Martin Luther and you think great theologian and all that God used of him and all that he does. And he kind of starts this letter with, yeah, I'm really bad at this prayer thing, but here's some things that have helped me. And, and so I was thinking about what he says. You pray through the Ten Commandments and what it does is it leads you to confession. Right? No other gods before me. And you start to read that and pray through that and you go, oh, I've done that. I've not done that well this week. There's so many things I've put before you, God. And you just start to step your way through those and it brings to mind and it leads you just to confess the ways that you haven't followed God completely. And I just want to remind you what we've been saying as we've been walking through this series, that to be a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're growing. And a life that's growing and growing closer to God is going to be one of continual repentance. 
God's going to bring things to mind through his spirit where you're going to see that you failed and you haven't made him first. And then you repent and then he just draws you closer. You see his grace more and more fully. And so Jesus says that you you confess you come before God and you tell him the things that that you haven't completely done and that you've missed and you confess them to him. And then look at verse 13 and he says, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us in all things. Praying that God would come and lead you. There's so many wonderful passages in scripture about God's spirit and the way that he renews us and leads us and convicts us and, and, and walks with us. And Jesus says, you ask me, ask me to lead you and to help you. You know, what immediately comes to mind is in, in Luke 11 Verse 13 in chapter 11 of Luke, Jesus is it's a parallel passage to this and he's teaching about uh, prayer and all the things that go with it. And uh, he tells this story about the man who comes and knocks on his friend's door late at night and the guy doesn't want to get up and he keeps beating on the door and keeps beating on the door and he keeps beating on the door and finally he gets up. And then Jesus concludes it with how much more will the Holy Spirit give good gifts to those who ask. And so what he says is you keep asking me and you keep you keep after it and you keep asking me and I will give you good gifts. And as I, as I think about that, it, it takes me to one of my favorite passages in, in Titus 3. Titus 3 verses 5 and 6 says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. That is, we're saved completely by grace, by what Jesus does. And then, and then he says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that you're being renewed and you're being led and you're being regenerated through the Holy Spirit in your life. And when Jesus says in Luke 11, you ask, how much more will the Holy Spirit give good gifts to those who ask? And I start to think about that. And then I think about what Jesus says here about and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. That when you're struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with, whatever sin or whatever frustration or whatever those things, Jesus says, you ask me. And through your, my spirit, through the Holy Spirit in you, I will do all kinds of things you can't imagine. In fact, that's, that's what Paul says in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And then hear what he says, according to the power at work within us. You have the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of the living God inside of you. And Jesus is telling you, ask. And I will do all kinds of things that you cannot imagine. And how often we struggle and we walk through daily and different things and we're frustrated or sins or whatever it is. And we never even stop to think about them. And here's Jesus saying, just ask me. Ask me to lead you. Or Paul says in Ephesians 3, ask me more than you can imagine. And so when we think about what prayer looks like, it's, it's planned and it's spontaneous. It's just walking in the spirit and praying at all times. And it's, it's adoring God and it's submitting to him and it's wanting to see his will done and it's confessing. And then it's asking him to lead you in all things. And just walking through those steps and so I want us just to end here briefly for just a second. So why do we do that? Why do we walk through all those steps and do those things and continually come to them? Look at what it says in verse four and then in verse six 
And then in verse 18, I know 4 and 18 are just outside of the scope of what we read this morning. But you'll see a phrase repeated three times there. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then in verse 6, it says the same thing. Our father who sees in secret will reward you. And again in 18, and it says it over and over. And when you read the commentators and you read what they're saying, and a lot of people will say, well, Jesus doesn't tell us exactly what the reward looks like. We can't say definitively what that is or what the, but as I was thinking about the context here and what he's saying, I think we can say what it's not. It's not about your fame or making much of you, right? He just compares here. Don't go and make much of your prayers, but go in secret and make it about you and God and not about what everybody else is looking or thinking about. And so as I'm thinking about that and how we walk through each one of these and how we ask him, you know, we make much of his name and how wonderful he is and what his uh, will is for all things. Or when we ask him to supply our needs or we ask him for forgiveness or we ask him to lead us every step of the way along that is pushing us to a reliance on him completely and totally. And so I can't help. But think when God says, when Jesus is telling us, the father will reward you. You go into secret and you seek me and you keep looking to me and asking me that the reward is him. Right? The reward is you get God. You get to see him more clearly. You know, oftentimes we make it about the things we're praying about and those are fine. And he wants to know and he wants to hear. But when he answers the prayer, what ultimately is happening, what the reward is, is that it's drawing you closer to him. It's not even about the thing. It's about being closer to God. And so when I think about the reward, he's saying, and I will reward you. What is the greatest reward there is? It's to know and be loved by the creator of the world. That's the greatest reward. And so, so many times... Prayer can become so hard. If you're honest, I mean, if I can, there's days it's hard. I'm tired. I go, oh, I just want to go to bed. Or I'll pray real quick. Do this over here. I'll just get, yeah, I got to do that. Or some days it's hard and then then I stop and I get convicted because I just want to think sometimes what, what am I asking for? What am I expecting? Right? What, what is my reason for praying? Right. When you hear Jesus say your father who's in secret will reward you, where does your mind go? Because if it's other things, then prayer becomes very hard. But when you realize the greatest reward is knowing him and drawing closer to him, suddenly it's not so hard. It's still hard on days, but it's very different when we start to see it as the reward is growing closer to him through what Christ has done for us. That changes everything. That the great reward that he's giving us and seeking to, to pour out on you and to give you is, is his love and his relationship. Right? I, I think about just me wanting to talk to my son. Right? I'm so excited to hear from him. Infinitely greater is God. I just want to talk to you. I want to draw you in. You are made for his presence. And he's saying, come and talk to me. And it will be the greatest reward you've ever been given. And so this morning, I just as we're ending, you know, we're really ending this short series on on how we grow closer to God and how we continue to do that and seek to walk and and trusting him. And and purposely, we're ending here with prayer, because wherever you are, wherever you are on that walk, 
I just have this to say, go to him and talk to him. Spend time seeking him. You know, if it's really hard for you at the beginning, make five minutes at the beginning of the day. And five minutes, at start, start little and just start talking to him. And, and, and start to cultivate that relationship wherever you are, whatever struggles, whatever's happening. Pray. Pray to him. He wants to hear from you. This wonderful gift that the God of the universe that created you wants you to talk to him. He wants to draw you ever closer through what Christ has done through his spirit and talk to him. And so wherever you are, just, just simply as we move forward and we think about this, what God can do with the praying people. What would happen if, if this group of people in this room were just on their faces before him every day? Be amazed. Be Ephesians 3. Right? That's what would happen. Infinitely more than you can imagine or ever see. And so I just pray that that would be the heart of us as a body of believers, that we would be seeking him in all things all the time. So let's let's end by praying. Let's go to him now. Father God, we thank you that you are infinitely beyond anything we can imagine or ask. And and, uh, we just confess that today, that your grace and your love and your majesty is so far beyond anything. And we just pray today, just as you tell us, we pray that your will would be done, that you would move uh, right here in this place with this group of people, but that you would move through us and beyond us and out all over, that we would see your glory going out. We would see your gospel moving. We would see people coming to faith. We would see your name being proclaimed in all areas of our lives. And we just pray that you would do that today. We thank you that we can come to you. We thank you that we can make known our needs. We thank you for the way we see you answering those things today. We lay before you our needs this morning. I know there are many, many physical needs, emotional things, all sorts of things that each person here carries with them. I pray that we just lay them at your feet this morning. And we thank you that we can. We thank you that through Christ that any time and in any way we can stop and come directly to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.